This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Alan and I for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we try to unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable. I'm Greg from Studio One Design, and here's my partner and co-host... Not really partner, just co-host, Alan from Pixel Partners. How are you, man? I'm good, mate. Greg, how do you do that intro so seriously when all we ever do is clown around before we record? <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> but it's great to be here today. Um, we've got an awesome topic today. We are talking about how to brief a graphic designer. Right, so for all the designers out there, we're going to try and unpack our tips to the business owners. And you know, we're not going to tell them how to actually make a design brief, we're just going to give them the core things that they should think about before going and talking to their designer. Right, and uh, designers, we would love input on this, so listen up, take some notes, and jump onto our website and comment under the episode because. You know, this kind of uh, chatter does help business owners a lot. They just get inside our heads and and understand what we're doing. So, mate, uh, before we get into the topic, what have you been up to this week? I had a breakfast this morning with a client, which, um, you know, we have clients all over the world, but I only have a few in in my local town of Melbourne, and one of them lives really nearby. So we catch up every few weeks and go out for breakfast, and he's one of the, you know, the best clients, gives us a lot of work. And it's just really beneficial. We've touched on that before, but um, yeah, it's really beneficial catching up with clients and prospects and meetups, etc. And yeah, today, that's what I got up to. What about you? Mate, look, I've got to say, it is great to catch up wherever possible. I mean, I'm like you, I've got clients all over the world, but when I take a trip, I actually make an effort, if I can, to stop off in their location, even if it is just for half a day to say hello, because it is really nice, so... Yeah, cool. Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, dude, you've inspired me. Yeah? Right? Yeah. Yeah, you've inspired me. We're finally redesigning the Pixel Partners website. Oh, so nice. that's that's really, really cool. We sort of mapped out the, the wireframes and we have our first designs uh, laid out and, and we're going to start coding it out uh, shortly. So the whole aim is to actually simplify the process. We're going through a bit of an elimination process. So what we're doing is we're making products that are not popular or are not profitable for both us and our clients redundant. And we're going to put more effort into things like uh, illustrations and book designs where, you know, we love doing it. We're awesome at it. I mean, we're awesome at everything, but, you know, um, (laughs) and just try and make it easier for our clients to go to the site and order online. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, You've got yeah. a new back-end ordering system, so it'll tie in nicely with that. It is. I mean, the new back-end ordering system is working, but it's the site is a bit clumsy, so people don't quite know how to use it. So their whole, mm-hmm. whole aim is to make it easier. Yeah. You know? So it, it is killer, you know. It's exciting, isn't it, when you have a new website? Yeah. I just, you know, we've started, I saw the first designs and I just, you know, maybe I'm biased towards my team, but I just fell in love with what they've done. And they're a bit disappointed because, uh, you know, it does look awesome, but I've all already started saying to them, well, this element here, we're going to split test. I want you to come up with a way to have the message like this rather than the way it's been designed. And, you know, they feel like I'm pulling them in two directions, but I had a chat with them and they understand the power of you know, split testing and why we're we're looking at the different ways. It's not always about looking pretty. It's sometimes it's about usability or sometimes it's about conversions. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's why you need designers to understand conversions. That sounds exciting, man. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Dude, let's get into this. I'm, I, I, I'm very passionate about this product because I see uh, this topic product, this topic, because I see so many businesses get this wrong in so many different ways. And if they can, you know, sit down internally and get through the main elements of their brief before they go to the designer, they're going to save a huge amount of time and money with the designer because they're going to get it right, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So the topic is how to brief a designer. And I mean, this is a general, uh, we're going to discuss all of the general things across multiple um, design questionnaires. So for instance, we're not specifically talking about websites or a logo or a flyer or packaging. These are general questions that you need to consider no matter which one of those products you're uh, designing. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, we're, we're, we're not, this is not a design brief for a particular design, but if you get these, what, what have we said, five elements? Key, the five key elements, yeah. Yeah, if you get these five key elements right in your mind, and each one of these has, you know, a bunch of stuff below it, right? But these are the sort of the core things that you need to focus on. You know, if you get this right, your designer will provide you with a design brief, right, that is specific to that job. So, you know, if you're doing something in print or you're doing something in web, the design brief itself is going to be very different. You know, a design brief for print needs to know more about the production side of it. You know, what is the size? What is the shape? How is it going to be printed? You know, what's the volume of the print run? If it's web, you're going to have things like wireframes and menus and and subpages and all this sort of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. but... Here's our five key things. Should I summarise them first, Greg? Or do you want to summarise them first and then we'll go one by one? Yeah, absolutely, man. So, yeah, the first one is who are you and what do you stand for? Number two is the avatar. Number three is the purpose. Number four are ideas, sketches, etc. And number five are the assets and branding. Yeah, cool. All right. So let's do number one because a lot of, I think, who you are and what you stand for gives the designer uh, an understanding of, you know, the emotive side of the design, right? They need, you need to, they need to understand the business. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's the most uh, crucial thing. I mean, you know, you're not designing for everybody. You're generally designing for a particular niche and yeah, you really need to get that point across. So Greg, you know, when you ask the question, who are you and what do you stand for? That can be pretty broad. I mean, there's the obvious things, right? So there's business name and if they have a, you know, a unique selling proposition. But how do you expand out on that? And, and do you find business owners sometimes have a little bit of trouble with it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. In fact, um, some business owners, you know, hate doing the entire questionnaire. But when they've done it, they realise that, it's extremely helpful for them. They get a bit of clarity on, on what they're after as well. We like to know, for instance, just how long the business has been around. They're like what size of the business, not not their revenue, but um, just you know how much of presence they they have currently. I guess just anything around their their values, just the way they do business, what they stand for, in the sense of. Values in general, man. When we say who are you, right? You know, what is the name of the business, yeah. right? Where are you located, right? Are you a, a, a local business? Are you a global company? 
Do you have a big sales force or a large staff or are you a, you know, a smaller niche type business that specialises in things? Are you a specialist? Are you a generalist? Like there's just so many things as far as who are you? And then, you know, even what do you stand for, right? Like do you stand for quality? Do you stand for, you know, great pricing? Are you a, a tr- very transparent business? Do you hide behind your products? And I mean, there's nothing wrong with hiding behind your products, you know, like, but we've got to get a gauge of it. I mean, I have a client who is a, I mean, the, the company is a brand of its own, but it's actually hidden behind a range of products that have their own brands, right? So when we do design for them, we don't put their brand all over something. Right, we put their products brand all over something, and they are very subtly, you know, hidden away in the corner as far as the overriding company. So, dig deep and think about it. You know, who are you? What do you stand for? And, and try and go as as detailed as possible. Would you agree? Yeah, the more detailed, the better. There's no doubt about it. You might take these things for granted, but if the designer doesn't know them, um, and it could be a crucial piece of information, then if they miss that, then it could change the, the entire design. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I've come across businesses who can't explain who they are and what they stand for, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, they go, oh, we're X company and we sell Y. Well, you know, that's okay, I guess. But, you know, we I try and encourage companies to, when, when they're going through that, if that's what I get back from them, to actually you know, try and summarise in one paragraph a maximum of three sentences you know, your core value, your core, your meaning, your, you know, yeah, why, why your business exists, you know. Yep. So, all right. So think about it. Who are you and what do you stand for as far as, you know, your business or personal branding or even a product if, if it's a product that's being, you know, designed for. Okay. This one, the next one, Avatar. What on earth does that mean? That that word has become synonymous with design briefs. And to be honest, I think a lot of businesses just don't understand what an avatar is. Yeah, well, I mean, an avatar is really who is your audience, your target market, who are you trying to, you know, convince that your product or service is right for them. So it could be things like their, I mean, the basic things like, you know, their job title or their role in the business, um, you know, their age, their gender, uh, socioeconomic status, um, and any defining characteristics that are going to, you know, help the designer, you know, match a design to appeal to that target audience. Right. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw a spanner in the works there if it's all right. Okay. So you said an avatar is a target audience, right? I don't think it is. I think it needs to be more specific. Well, an avatar is more specific, but that's generally, you know, the, the, what we're talking about here. So yeah. if you, yeah, if you can get an avatar, if you can have the characteristics of an individual person and you can even name that person and know everything about that person, that's your ideal customer. Essentially that's what an avatar is, but we are talking about who's your target market as well. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I agree, but the, I think the problem with target market is target market is broad, right? And it is harder to get great results with broad design. You know, I hear it all the time. You know, we, we sell to everybody and anybody. Well, okay, that's great, but let's actually see if 
in this design, we can target for one of those specific people within your broad audience. And I think you can have multiple avatars. And if you do, that's great because then you can say that this design is targeted at that avatar, right? Mm-hmm. And the next design is targeted at a different avatar and you can actually see if one has more success than the other. So, you know, I think <clears throat> I think drill down, you know, try really hard and have that single persona makes a big difference. Um, but if you can't get that, then go broad. You know, don't just say we sell to everybody, but we sell, we sell to men and women and we sell to men and women in this age range and in these socioeconomic uh, climates and, and so on and so forth. I mean, how do you find it designing when somebody says we sell to everybody? It's tough. <laughs> it's extremely tough. I was going to say, even if you're Apple, you're not really designing for everybody if you're designing an apple product you know there's usually uh, it could be an age group for instance or it could be uh, a certain type of person that needs that product at that time so yeah it's it's really hard if it's too broad yeah absolutely you know and and i think apple if we will use them as an example if you look historically right they haven't although their product is bought and purchased by a very broad range of people right Mm -hmm. They actually target innovators. They target early adopters in their in their marketing. They target people who want to be the first to get something. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, so they know that their avatar is a very specific age range, <clears throat> a very specific mindset, has a very specific disposable income, right? And they target those people. And by targeting those people in the designs that they do, the knock-on effect is that they sell to a broader range and particularly people who then want to be like those people. So, yeah, I think it is very deceiving, the whole avatar question. I think too many people go too broad with this and they don't take the time to actually try and break down who they're selling to. The other thing too is companies get this wrong when they're selling through, uh, say, for example, channels right so they've mm-hmm. got to ask themselves a question who is this designed for is it for is it to excite my resellers or is it to excite the end customer right and then yeah, that yeah. that gets messy too because i mean i know in the past i've done work with samsung right and we will design customer facing pieces very very differently to the stuff that goes to their channel partners so if they're selling through a another provider i mean in australia would be like harvey norman a retail chain right so they actually do specific marketing to target the salespeople who are selling the product which is very different yeah absolutely yeah we've had a client recently we had to design two webinar decks for them and uh slide decks you know for them to present and yeah one of them was pitching to their corporate partners and one of them was pitching to the end user and even though we had the same branding assets to work with, we had to give it a totally different approach to suit that end user. Yeah, and that's the power of the avatar because most businesses will design one and use it for both. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, dig deep into the avatar. Okay, what do you got next? What's next? The uh, the purpose. So what is the purpose of the design? And so, for instance, you know, what is the context, what... What's the offer? Uh, you know, what's the call to action? Uh, you know, what product or service are you offering and what are the features and benefits? So let's dig a little deeper into them. Okay. So what do you mean by context? Where is it being used? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it could be packaging, for instance, which is going to have a totally different use than if it's a website or, or a logo. 
or social media is going to be different to your website. Is that what you mean by context? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think people take that for granted, right? They yeah. try and design something that's going to be multi-purpose and, and, and it doesn't always work. I mean, that's not to say that you can't take one item and repurpose it for something else, but start with a single contextual purpose in mind. How am I using this one design and what is it, you know, what is it going to be, how is it going to be executed, right? Yeah, and look, sometimes it does have multiple purposes. So if it's a logo, it could be used for a website or a a print on a car or, you know, social media or whatever the case is, but it could have multiple purposes. So, um, you know, if we're designing a brand guide, for instance, we have to take all that into consideration when we're, um, you know, choosing the colours, etc. Oh, look, absolutely. I think logos are a great example of understanding your context before you start because, you know, you see it often where beautiful logos are designed but then it can't be used or there isn't a version to be used with embroidery, for example. Yeah, there you go, exactly. You know, or it can't be printed in one colour to make a stamp for a, for a plastic product. So yep. definitely think about that purpose. Now, look, I think purpose, you, you mentioned before, you've got to have offers, call to actions, you've got to define your products and your services. I think the great place to start with all of those is what is the problem that this X solves? So this product or this service solves? Because if you start with that, then you can work out what your offer is, what your features and benefits are, what your call to action is. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And if you can get that across in your messaging, um, then, you know, I think it's because people only have a few seconds to make a decision on whether or not your product or service is right for them. So if you can get that across in your messaging, uh, then that's half the battle solved. Okay, so let's create a little workflow or a little mini uh, framework for this, right? So I think from my logic, and and correct me if you think I'm I'm wrong, and you probably do, (laughs) um, is you start with your product or service, then you have the problem that it solves, all right? And tied into the problem that it solves, you then have the features and benefits of the product. Yeah. And then you have an offer or a call to action. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So let's start at the beginning right? Product or service, right? And, and and I think, you know, in our notes, we have product, service, not plurals, right? Because it should be different for each product. And yes, people have multiple products that they sell, but again, where possible, drill down, right? There might be a product category or a service category, but don't try and sell everything you have in one design. It, it, it makes it very difficult for the, for the client. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to, um, narrow it down or at least have what we call a product selector so you know if it's a website and you have three totally different services it might be websites or seo or you know traffic for instance then they are totally different so you need to differentiate from them so we have a product selector so then people can go into a funnel for that particular product or service yeah, I mean, come on, like think old school, think yellow pages, right? What was the one thing that yellow pages always said? It was easy to find the service provider you needed with the yellow pages. And it was because things were broken down into simple categories and you could drill down to the specific thing that you were looking for and you could find a service provider. 
do the same thing with your design. Don't try and make one pamphlet. If you have three different service lines or three different product lines, don't have one pamphlet. You might have one company pamphlet that's an overview, but then drive them to the next piece of design or the next piece of content, whether it be online with a product selector or via a, a catalog that's broken down into intersections or via separate designs. You know, keep it specific so that you can actually sell that one product to that one avatar that is your ideal customer. Exactly. So I think if like McDonald's, they will always have just one offer at a time that they'll advertise strongly. They're not advertising their whole business, they're just driving traffic to that one offer. When even when they're in when you're in their store, they have a McDonald's menu, you know, like they'll have uh, a chicken burger or, or a you know a wrap or whatever the case is, and they're all different offers. So yeah, just you have to make sure they're separate offers. Yeah, hang on. Now, McDonald's is a really great example because one of the evolutions that McDonald's has had in the last 15 years is their menus, right? So when you go in for breakfast, you don't see the lunch menu. It's a rotating menu. It's a screen now, right? Whereas if you think way back, all their products were up on the old school menus because they couldn't change them. Okay, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So what they're doing is they're saying, you're coming in for breakfast. It's breakfast time. I'm only going to show you the breakfast menu. I'm not going to even allude to our lunch menu yeah. because that's not relevant yeah. to you, our avatar right now. Our avatar today is somebody who wants breakfast. Yes, yes, really good point. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so let's talk about offers. Well, hang on, hang on. We haven't got to the offer yet. We're still, <laughs> going to, we're still going to do the problem that it solves and then the features and benefits. Because, the, again, I think this is these are two things that a lot of business owners miss. Well, yeah, I don't necessarily think you need to get the features and benefits across straight away. Like, I think you need – the hook is the, the, the USP or, or, you know, getting the main message across – you know, the the offer essentially the problem solved in, well, that, in their offer. Yeah. So so the the workflow we said was product or service, then the problem solved. Yep. You know, and so a lot of people say, well, we sell X widget, right? But hang on a minute, that's great. But what problem does your widget solve for your avatar? Mm-hmm, right? sure. And that I think that that drives you to the offer, right? Because it's great to say, oh, you know, buy one widget, get one free. Okay, but why is that helpful for me? I may only need one widget. I don't need to, right? Yeah, understood. So if you, yeah, so I, and again, I think that's something that, you know, getting that right is going to help, right? So, I mean, give me some examples that you've had recently of products that solve a problem. Yeah, well, so for instance, like we're redesigning our website as well and we offer websites, we offer landing pages, we offer anything to do with design essentially. But what we do is we t- we have a headline which is, um, you know, essentially something around the, the lines of, you know, is your website getting you great results? And then we have a solution statement which is custom website designs designed to convert. Then we have beneath and then we have a video which will be a video explainer but beneath that we'll have three separate products that are totally different to each other so that's what i call the product selector um, but we haven't talked about the the benefits and features yet because that would come in the next section of whichever uh, call to action they choose from that point right so yeah what you're saying is your product 
or your service is that you design websites. The problem you solve is you help people go from having a site that doesn't convert to a site that does convert, right? And now you need to give them the features and benefits of, you know, your service slash offering, yeah. right? And, yep. uh, you know, how, okay, how often do you see people get these mixed up, features and benefits? Oh, all the time, yeah. It's... Um it's really common to not really be able to differentiate between the two for the average business owner. And yeah, so, so what's, what's the difference between a feature and a benefit? Yeah, so a benefit is the outcome that you get when you uh, purchase that product or service. So, for instance, um, you know, if your, let's say websites, for instance, if you buy our website design, the outcome is you're going to have more customers and more income so you can live a better life with your family and do holidays, whatever you want. So that's a benefit, right? But the feature is, you know, you'll get 10 page designs, um, unlimited revisions, whatever, just all those things to do with the process of delivering that product or service. Yeah, so you, the feature is you get unlimited revisions and the benefit to you is you don't have to stress out about having additional fees if you need revisions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so look, I have a little exercise when I have a client that isn't crystal clear on this, right? And what you do is you basically you say product, right? So you have your product and you have a feature, right? And then you have the statement, which means, and then the benefit. Right. So the example might be the iPhone 6, which is the product, is extremely light. And the benefit is uh, you won't even know you have it in your pocket. Right. So the benefit to the customer is that it's easy to use. It's light. Uh, sorry, the feature is that it's light. The benefit is that, you know, being light has advantages. I don't know if that was a great example. <laughs> <laughs> now, the benefits are more that it makes your life easier. You know, well, yeah, but that's very broad. What I'm trying to get my customers to do is drill down to specific features and what that benefit is to the to the customer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Understood. All right. So, what what are the features and benefits of your business, for instance? All right. So, you know, a feature of our business is that we have a single point of contact, right? And the benefit is is that you always know who to talk to when you're going through the design process. So to make it easier for them. Yeah. 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 So it's it's always an example. It's yeah. always about making it easier, right? Exactly. And that's what a benefit is. You know, what's what's going to make it what's going to make life easier for your prospect. Right. That's the benefit. Yeah. Yeah. So so now we've got, you know, we've got context, right? Yep. We've got the product or service. We understand and, and eat you know, got to understand too that each product or each service can have multiple features and each feature can have multiple benefits. Right? Yeah, understood. But list them all out because then you can create an offer or a call to action that is relevant to your avatar, right? So see how this is all tying together now? You, you know, you, 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 you can make an offer or a call to action that's relevant to your avatar based on the benefits to them. Yeah. All right. Yep. So cool. it's all making you, sense. Now you are the king of offer offers and, and calls to action. So tell us why that's so important. I'm not really the king, but we do encourage our clients to have an offer. So the, one of the main reasons is it will take their eyes off the price, okay? And that's what JD was talking about on our recent podcast. Um, you really want to give them a reason to take action other than looking at the price. So 
a really good example is McDonald's, like JD's mentioned. You know, they put a, a toy in, in the product or whatever and the kids really want the, the toy more than the hamburger, you know. Um, Absolutely. So if you're an e-commerce store, for instance, you might offer free shipping um, or, you know, buy two and save 20% or just some extra offer that's going to entice them to take action. Yeah, well, look, and your offer doesn't even have to be to sell something or buy something. Like, let's say you're an e-commerce store. Why not have an offer of, you know, detailed reviews of product ranges, Mm -hmm. right? So the offer is come and find out more about these different products and let me help you through the selection process. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, whatever works. And all these things are to be tested, of course. Yeah, and and free offers are awesome, right? So yeah. You know, if you can offer your customer some value for free prior to trying to sell them something, then, you know, you can build a relationship and solidify that that relationship and make it a lot easier for them to purchase from you. Absolutely. You've, I mean, the, and another thing we should add, since we're on the topic of purpose, uh, the main purpose, uh, let's say, of a website should be to build trust. So, yeah, if you have an offer that's a low risk or no risk offer, then that's the perfect opportunity to build trust, to then build the relationship, to then get the sale. Nice. And remember once in a previous episode, we talked about you don't design a website, you design web pages. Prospect can't look at your entire site in one hit. So if you take your purpose of your website as to build trust, you then build each page based on the avatar for the person that's going to be looking at that page. And then you have an offer that's relevant that is not necessarily selling them something straight away, but it might be taking them through the trust gaining process, you know, like your product chooser. Well, okay, I don't need landing pages, I need a website. Okay, so you've you've offered them something that is building trust. You're not trying to pitch them everything straight away saying, well, let's have a look at the, the website offering. Right? And then you take them to that and you offer them the features and benefits, the hows and whys. And, you know, you could offer them a, you know, free 10-point checklist for planning a website that converts. Spot on, spot on. So if you can put all of that information into the question of what is the purpose of your website, you're really going to help the designer give you a design that's going to give the best results. Yeah, and you could even go as far as saying, all right, well, I'm designing a website, but I need a separate design brief for each page. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Purpose. I think, I think, you know, if you can understand your purpose, there's a lot there to think about, but if you can understand your purpose, then, and have that little workflow of from product and service through to the problem solved, then the features and benefits, and then your offer and your call to action, you're going to have a much more solid design and your designer will understand the flow of, of how the person viewing this design you know where they need to travel to get to the end that's exactly right that's the goal to get the visitor to take action so yeah it's uh, it's crucially important that uh, you give as much information as possible in that area we talked about a whole bunch of airy fairy fluffy stuff <laughs> right you know <laughs> I, I don't mean that <laughs> You know, it's very. This subject. is what a designer has to go through, though, when they're designing, right? So, right, it's, yeah, it's, it's painful, uh, right? But yeah. I guess what I'm saying is, is a lot of this stuff is very different, very subjective for each different business, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. the next two points um, are a little more tangible, right? Absolutely. So, the next one is ideas. So, you as a business owner, do you have any ideas on how you want? 
this design to look or feel, right? Mm -hmm. So that might be likes and dislikes. Greg, do you get your customers to send you things that they like and dislike or do you just do likes? We concentrate on likes, but we do ask if they, you know, if they don't like anything, can they send it through? They don't usually do that, but then what we'll find is when we have a call after taking a brief, then we'll drill into that and things come out, you know, usually in a conversation. Yeah. And if you're the business owner, right, you've you got to say why you like it and oh, why yeah. you dislike it, you know. So we're the same. We have the first step of here, here's a likes and dislikes folder, take screenshots, do scans, throw stuff in that you like, right? And then we ask them the question, why do you like this? Why do you dislike that? And you'll mm -hmm. find out they like this design because of the colours, right? Or they like the way the images have been treated or what have you. So often they like a design, but there might only be one or two elements within that design that, that caught their eye. Yep. What else do you do for ideas? So we also ask if they have any sketches or samples or other reference points of designs that they like that we can draw from and, and inspire us. Yeah, absolutely, right? And I have no issues. Like a lot of clients sometimes are a bit scared to show their sketches that they made in the notebook for the idea, right? But it helps, you know, even if it's terrible, right? It at least allows us to see inside the mind of the client how things might work together, how they relate, you know, how they might stack in the, the, the level of importance. So, you know, scroll yeah. out some sketches as good or as bad as you might be at sketching, you know, just do it. Or just provide reference as well. And look, I think it's good if the client provides all this stuff, even if it's just for the reason that they like the look of it, right? And we just take that on board, but we don't necessarily always use what they give because they are the experts, we are, and we really try to design for their target market, not for them, even though we want them to like it. So we just take that on board, but we don't use it as, uh, you know, as gospel reference. No, no, that's right. Sometimes the person who's giving, who's filling out the brief is afraid that if they show the sketches that that's what they might get. And that's not what they want. They want something that's, you know, well designed by an expert. Also to reference, you know, do you have any previous designs, whether you like them or not, you know, that, that you know, if you're designing a, a, a brochure, for example, right, a product brochure, do you have a previous product brochure? Did you like it? Did you not like it? What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? You know, so again, a context of the evolution of a design. Uh, I mean, I've got one client that, you know, we've got 10 years of, of product catalogs, right? right? And you can see the design evolution. It's changed dramatically, right? But you can also see how some important core elements have stayed with the design through the through the whole time. Yeah, that's cool. 10 years. Yeah. So reference material. Yep. All right. All right. Anything more to add to that or move on to assets and branding? Yeah. Look, I just think, you know, get your ideas out of your head and onto something tangible so that the designer can get insights into how you perceive what you're what the designer is designing, right? So, yeah, yeah. no, assets and branding. Do it. Go for it. <laughs> Let's do it. So we're talking about, you know, what elements you can provide the designer or, uh, you know, it might just be colours that you like, for instance, or, you know, you might have images like professional photos, um, what fonts you like, and, of course, the, the copy, you know, the, the, the text for the design. So, yeah, let's dig into them a little bit more. Okay, cool. So, look, logo, logos and branding, I think, is 
fairly uh, straightforward, right? If you don't have a defined brand guideline that a designer has created for you, just give the designer as many reference points as possible, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Just lay it all out on the table and say, here's what we have, and then allow the designer to draw inspiration from those those items, right? And don't be afraid. I mean, look, I'm big on consistency, right? But if it's time for a change, maybe, you know, have a chat to your designer and say, well, this is going to be the first start, the starting point of our change. Can you help us, right? Okay. Yeah, and look, generally we find even if the client does have existing branding, they just want an updated look anyway because they're usually, you know, looking for a, looking for a change. It might just be a, a version of. Yeah, especially, I mean, with the stuff you do, websites, you know, quite often today a website is a starting point for a new look and feel. It is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and then and we're seeing it more and more often, you know, um, client has existing branding, here's the existing branding. However, they've just designed a new website. They want the next packaging. They want the next brochure. They want the next poster to be in line with what they've done online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And you know, if you're um, if you're clever, you can get a website design first, and that can create your uh, your brand style guide. So you know, think about it. If you want to save money, get a website design for design first. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't give Greg too many headaches. Like, don't come to Greg and say <laughs> we're we're rebranding. Make my new website. Well, your team can design websites too, right? Are you, do you offer that? No, look, we don't offer it as we do do it, but we don't offer it as a standard product. Okay. Um, we'll often offer it to. Uh, well-established, our well-established clients, clients who are yeah. doing a project and we know that they deliver the brief well within the parameters. The the, the customer-facing websites is more up, up your alley. <laughs> so <laughs> what, all I'm saying is is that don't go into a web, web design, right, with the aim of rebranding, right? It might be a good starting point, but again, you know, think about your brief. What's the purpose? The purpose of the web, website is not to rebrand. The purpose of the website is to have a website that builds trust. Yeah, yeah, exactly, to obviously get more business. But, yeah, in the process we find that, yeah, like you said, um, yeah, it's incredible how we, we end up creating like a, an entire brand look just from creating the website because obviously there's yeah, a, definitely. a few pages and elements and you know sections that we like to put a lot of effort into. And before you know it, there's an entire look for your, all of your collateral. Okay, so – what about things like colours? I mean, yeah. it's very easy for people to say, oh, I want, you know, I want my brand colours, but, you know, you've got to work out whether your site is trying to be up to date with what's in the trends at the time. And if, if that's the case, you have to be willing to amend and change that on a more regular basis, right? Or do you want something that's a little more evergreen, you know, so colour selections that last longer? But where are good places to start thinking about colours? Um, listen to our recent episode on colour. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but no, look, I, I think with that, um, once again, you know, there, there are the colours um, evoke different emotions. So you might want to just Google that for a start if you don't have a colour palette at all so you can work out what you want your brand to represent. But generally speaking, um, you know, blues are a colour of trust. So depending on what your business is, that's generally a nice, easy on the eye colour to start with. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, just if you don't have any ideas, leave it to your designer. Yeah, leave it to your designer. Or if you have things that you've seen around, take a photo of it, go to Pinterest. There's plenty of places to draw inspiration for colours. So, yeah, images. Oh, this kills me, Greg. Images. I love talking about images. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I just think it's something that people don't 
think about enough yeah. before they come into the design. You know, they just assume that the images are going to be part of, of the design process. But, you know, get your images at least collated, right? Like here are the images that we think we might be able to use for this design. And the designer might come back to you and say, look, they're terrible, right? We need to get a photographer in to shoot new images, but think about them while you're going through the design process, you know, supply as many as you possibly can, right, of what you have um, to your designer early on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even if they're, um, I mean, it's probably even better if they are your own photos as opposed to, um, you know, selecting anything off stock libraries, for instance. Yeah, but even if you're selecting off stock libraries, just... I don't know, don't even bother with stock libraries. Just go to Google, right, Google Images, type in the topic and grab the images that you think relate to that design or that business. And again, that may be completely off the mark, but at least the designer has some insights into how you perceive. Got it. So that would be a reference image, yeah? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you'll have reference images, but you're, which is where we talked about sketches and samples. But also, I guess, that's a good place if you don't have anything. But if you do, you know, photos of your team, photos of the product, yeah. photos of the product in use, you know, anything yeah. that you can get your hands on. So. Yeah, photos of your products in use is amazing. Like from the point of view that um, it's – not just a product photo. Like we encourage that. Like um, if it's packaging or if it's a website main banner, if you can show that, uh, for instance, we did a dog website like the uh, dog grooming, right? So instead of just showing a picture of the dog grooming brush, which is pretty boring, show, you know, a dog being groomed and it just has that emotional connection. So, yeah, if you can put your product in use, it's even better. Yeah. Before and afters, they're cool too. Oh, great. Yeah, we're doing a couple of gym websites at the moment. And that social proof is one of the main things why people will take action. So, yeah, before and afters is gold. All right. Now, the last two, I think, are kind of tied in, in a way, <laughs> because you use one for the other, yeah. which is fonts and copy or, or the words that are being used. Right? Yeah, the so, copywriting, yeah. Yeah. So the first thing is fonts. If you have a brand standard, give it to your designer. If not, leave it in your designer's hands and the designer will know what type of fonts are best to use for body copy versus headlines versus features, you know. So just that's one that you only need to worry about if you actually have them predefined. And don't just tell them the name of the font. You should have the fonts, right? So send them the fonts so that they're using the exact same ones because uh, there are a million variations of fonts, you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And if it's a website, um, you know, you're probably better off using or going to typing in Google web fonts and they're all free. So, yeah, just uh, – and there's, you know, hundreds or thousands on there. So that's probably a good start if you if you really want a specific font, look there first, especially for a website. Yeah, definitely. And then the copy, the words, right? My humble opinion is wherever possible, have a professional copywriter – uh, either write the copy if you don't feel that you're capable of writing it or at least have them edit your copy, you know, get them to read through it and say, well, look, you know, the words explain what's going on, but, you know, it's not going to entice somebody to actually purchase. Yeah, know? it can make a huge difference, especially in a website. If the copy's been written professionally, you know, they really hone in on the uh, on the benefits and the outcomes of your products and services and it's all about the customer instead of it being all about you. So that's one thing that people get wrong when they do it themselves. They make it all about them. And, uh, yeah, visitors to your site don't care about you. They want to know what's in it for them. 
Yeah, I think that's what John Logar talked about on a previous episode, you know, the, the wee-wee issue, you know, where yeah, yeah. it's all about the company and it's all about their product and it's nothing to do with the actual customer, you know. So get your copyright is going to be, I think, a massive, massive part of this. And, and you know, it's really hard for a designer to use dummy copy or Ipsum lorem copy to fill spaces. It really does help if you have the finished or near finished copy, you know, the right headline, the actual headline that you want, the the body copy, the bullets, the features, the benefits, have it written before. It helps a lot. Oh, yeah, because then what the designer will do is they'll use that copy to create the design because they'll read it and they go, right, well, that means we need to create something, you know, with imagery or, or icons or whatever that suit the copy. So you can't really do that unless you've got the copy first. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've I've seen this a lot where clients say to me, we need this design. Here's the old one. We're redoing the copy. Can you just use placeholder text for now? And it's yeah. like, well, okay, we can do maybe a really rudimentary wireframe style uh, design, but without knowing, for example, what the headline is and what the call to action is, it's very difficult to design for a specific purpose. Oh, 100%, man. And, yeah, you, you pretty much guarantee you're going to have to – you know, not completely start again, but at least do half of it again. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Wow, that that was huge. What do you? Is there anything we yeah. forgot? Is there anything um, we've forgotten? <laughs> uh, they probably. I mean, that's an overview. You know, for general a general way to brief a, a designer on a design product, a graphic design product. But no, I think we've covered the main things. Like, if you were going to um, get a specific. Uh, design done like a logo there's a lot more um, questions you'd have around that but it's it's really quite specific same with the website as well but the, we don't we're not going to cover all that because that would be another 10 episodes <laughs> yeah definitely look i think this is just if you can get some clarity on those five points right you're going to have a lot smoother time briefing your graphic designer so, and if we've forgotten every, anything, designers, business owners, please go and comment uh, below this post on therealmagic.com because we'll do a follow-up episode on this because I think this is critical. I always say to my team, do the work in the front end. You know, get this right first and the rest of the process will be smoother, easier, faster for everybody. Exactly. So the killer tip and listener action would be to go to our post on therealmagic.com for this episode and we're going to have these things um, bulleted out and yeah just if you are going to brief a designer just copy and paste these and and start thinking about those five points yeah definitely so i was <laughs> you stole my listener action <laughs> i was going to say go to the website we'll have this there you know what i think we might even go to the effort of setting up a little template that you can download and yeah, you can cool. just fill in the blanks you know nice. so that will make it a lot easier for for everybody designers business owners i really hope this episode's been beneficial i've had a blast what about you, Greg? Yeah, fun as always, Al. Thank you for listening, listener. Definitely. Farewell. Thank you, you too, listener, for being here. We'd love it if you leave a review on iTunes, share this on social media, do all that kind of jazz, and come and leave some comments. We love chatting to you. You got it. Thanks. See you, Greg. See you, mate. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.